Good morning. Welcome to Evangel, and welcome to those who are watching from home. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord God, we offer up this time to you. Please have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise. With a mighty hand, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever. For the life that's been reborn. Love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us. Forever God is faithful, forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us, forever and ever, forever. Sing, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. Love endures forever, for He is good, He is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise with a mighty hand, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever for the life that's been reborn. Love endures forever. Sing praise, sing praise, sing praise. We sing praise, sing praise. Forever God is faithful, forever God is strong, forever God is with us. From the rising to the setting sun. From the rising to the setting sun. His love endures forever. And by the grace of God we will carry on. His love endures forever. Sing praise. Sing praise. Sing praise. Forever God is with us, 
time to be renewed, a time to be reborn. And in our seasons, God, we bow before your throne. This is our offering to you. This is our offering. Everything I am is for your glory. Everything I am for you. Nice to see you this morning. Why don't you turn and say hi to somebody before you're seated today. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I'd like to take this opportunity to welcome all of you who are here on site, in person, in our service today. We're glad that you could be here and join with us. And we also want to welcome those who are watching from elsewhere today. And our prayer for all groups is the same, that God, by his spirit, would minister to our hearts, strengthen us, challenge us, and uh, help us to be who he's created us to be and accomplish what he's called us to do. Maybe you're new over the last little while, and uh, you'll find in the seat pocket in front of you what we call a connection card, and uh, it just seems odd talking about this because it's been so long since we talked about this, but it, you can find that card there, and uh, if you would fill that out, you can indicate on there if you have a prayer need or request or if there's a way that we can help you in any way, but we want to encourage you to fill that out so we uh, can connect with you, and if you take that to the welcome desk in the foyer, which is just through these doors on this side, at the end of the service, there uh, and hand it in, you can hand it in there, and there will be a small gift there for you, so uh, make sure. Did I miss anything? Okay, it's, it's the information desk. And it says information, so you'll know it's the information desk, okay? It'll say information right over the top of it. So I think it's been about 15 years that I haven't been able to get that straight. 
I think I'm ready to give up on that. Just go to the desk. Let's just leave it there. Uh, just as well, just want to let you know that as of, next, as of June, the first Sunday of June, we're going to begin collecting offering as part of our worship service again. We, we really value offering here, not just in terms of financially, but in terms of an act of worship. And uh, throughout the last couple of years, we've not really been able to pass the plate down around and th- that sort of thing, but we are returning to that in June. And so uh, in the meantime, on your way in and on your way out, there are offering plates on either side of the exit uh, on a table there. You can leave your, your offering there. Uh, you can also uh, do it electronically, send us an e-transfer at giving at epcoakville.com. Or if there's some of you who are not able to be here uh, on Sundays and are not comfortable sending the e-transfer, you can mail it to us or drop it off during office hours here during the week. And uh, just a reminder, last Sunday we talked about uh, our goal of aiming to, by the end of June to, to get back on track from a budget standpoint and to make up our losses. And that's a, a big challenge that's before us, but I just want to keep reminding us to keep working towards that. Also, just want to let you know that last week also uh, we had four representatives in the foyer uh, taking sign up for different areas of ministry and service here. And um, some of you dropped by there. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be doing that again today after the service. So if you would just go by and uh, you can just ask some questions, get some information, uh, and, uh, and talk to the representative there. We could really use your help in a number of areas. So uh, please keep that in mind. This week, I'm going to remember the kids. And so, kids, you are free to go. And Tyler, I'm going to hand it back over to you. God bless you as you continue to worship this morning. I also had a, an announcement. Uh, Pastor Shannon made it last week. But I wanted to make sure to clarify because uh, I had heard that sort of floating around there was a misunderstanding. Um, I, I initiated, uh, I came to Pastor Shannon and I said, you know, I've prayed about it and thought it through. And I think my season here is coming to a close so I just wanted to make sure to clear up if there was any confusion. Pastor Shannon did not come to me and say, Tyler, you know, we've got to let you go. That did not happen. Uh, I, I, I came to Pastor Shannon and I said, you know, I think my season here is, you know, four years is coming to an end. And he understood. And uh, so I just want you to know, Pastor Shannon has been amazing with me, 100% supportive. He's an awesome guy. And so and I, I wouldn't want any misunderstanding floating around um, that would make put him in a bad light. He he has done absolutely nothing wrong to to me. Um, he's just been 100% supportive straight out the gate, and uh, and and I I came to him and um, and he was totally understanding. And so I've I officially have like a, a month left here, and uh, I've thoroughly uh, enjoyed it. And um, it doesn't mean I can't talk to. Any of you, I don't want you to think like, oh, Tyler's gone forever. Like, he's just off the map. Like, I live in Burlington. I, you know, uh, some of you I'm actually closer to because I live in Burlington now. Um, But yeah, anyway, so it's not like uh, any friendships made here have come to a close. Like, no, that's not the case. It's just I will not be leading worship here now as the, you know, director of worship um, anymore as of... uh, June 19th, which just so happens to be Father's Day, which is kind of an interesting way how, how God worked that out. But anyway, um, so please stand as we continue to worship this morning. The song's called Everything. And it's basically quoting from, I believe it's Matthew 6, where Jesus is, uh, no, I'm probably wrong about that. I don't think it's Matthew 6. It's in the Bible. How about we say that? <laughs> it's in the Bible. 
And uh, you know how, oh no, it's part of it is Matthew 6. Part of it is Matthew 6. It's kind of taken a lot of the gospels, which is great, right? It's just putting it all together. Saying, you know, God knows the hairs on our head. He knows when the sparrow falls. You know, God, look how God closed the grass, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire. If this is how, you know, and even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed as, you know, the lilies of the field. If this is how God closed the grass of the field, will he not much more clothe you? Right? So it's just sort of putting into perspective like, okay, God's a good father and he does allow some really wild stuff that I don't get. However, he tells me to trust in him and and he tells me like, look at, though the world is broken and yes, there's a lot of, craziness out there at the end of the day i've i've got it and he's going you're more valuable than a sparrow you're more valuable than a flower you're more valuable than you know all the different things that he does provide for and so know that you are loved by god and and know that within god he has everything that we need because our hearts were made for him um so hopefully the song is an encouragement to you. And if you feel far from God, or you're like, God's not answering my prayer and all that, hey, I, I've been there before, so I don't want you to feel discouraged and like, man, Tyler sang that song, and I don't have everything I need, and I'm, I'm kind of mad at God. Hey, if that's where you are, that's okay. Like, I've been there before. Um, but just know that this is what Christ tells us, and, and that within God, God does have everything that our soul needs and if you're going through a really difficult time then my prayers are with you and just hold on even the sparrow has a place to lay so why would I let worry steal my breath? Even the roses you have clothed in brilliant red Still I'm the one you love more than this You give me Push and pull at your command So you can still my heart with your hand You tell the seasons When it's time for them to turn So I will trust you even when it hurts Give me everything I 
because so many times it doesn't feel that way at all. And a lot of times it doesn't feel like you're good. And a lot of times it feels like, like the exact opposite and we are just so confused. God, please help us to trust in you, to rest in you, to find that internal peace that this world can't offer. Help us, Lord God, to see the way that you see. And whether or not we get it, we may never get it, just to to trust you anyway. Because where else are we going to go? that we just don't understand once we are in heaven we can look back and go okay now I get it and I can't wait for that day because right now it's hard it's very hard sometimes it's it just seems unbearable but we have a hope that one day every tear will be wiped away everything will be put right and we will be with Christ forever where there will be no more sickness, no more death, no more sin, and we are just forever in the loving embrace of our Father for all of eternity. That is the hope that we have in Christ. That's what we keep persevering towards, running this race of faith, not giving up, because what God has in store for us far outweighs anything that he would allow. He he is good. And that's what this this song is about. It's called Hymn of Heaven. Him. There will be a day when 
and every prayer and every prayer we prayed in desperation the songs of faith we sang through doubt and day and there will be a day when all will bow before him there will be a day when death will be no more standing face to face with you died and rose again holy of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain forever he shall reign there will be
You are holy, Lord God. You are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice and for the hope that you give. You suffered, Lord God, and you died, and we suffer and we will die, but you didn't stay dead. All that suffering and all that pain and that death was swallowed up and you resurrected from the dead to die no more and we can have that Lord God in you because the old is passing away behold the new has come you make all things new and we look forward Lord God to that day when you will redeem not just us but the entire cosmos Lord God you will redeem all of creation so, Lord God, please help us not to give up. Because we have eternity, eternal joy and peace and happiness where everything is put right with you if we just continue to hold on and to trust in you through the trials that you allow that we don't get. And it's hard. But, God, thank you that you give us such a great hope. And that hope cannot be taken away unless we allow it to, unless we decide to give it up. So, Lord God, please help us not to buy that lie that Satan so desperately wants us to cave to. That look how bad it is. How could God be good? All that stuff, Lord God, help us to fix our eyes on you, to trust in you and say, I don't know. I don't get it. But I'm going to trust because, Lord Jesus, you rose again and I will rise again. And I'm looking forward to eternal happiness where this suffering and all this stuff is forever gone. Thank you, God, for that hope. Please give us that hope because we need it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Our scripture reading today is found in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be reading verses 2 to 9. Is, it says, I plead with you, Iodia, and I plead with you, Sundike, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. What a beautiful song that, that is that we had the opportunity to sing this morning. I, I accidentally discovered it. Well, I don't think I was the first one to discover it, but I accidentally discovered it personally this week, and, and I wrote Tyler, and I just said, Tyler, either you sing this song or you're fired. And so he, he uh, agreed to do that this week. So 
uh, I want to thank him for, uh, for leading us in that beautiful song this morning. Well, uh, last week we launched a new sermon series, which we've entitled Making a Comeback Down But Not Out. And we said that a comeback is defined as returning after a period of time, returning after a period of time. And so we said EPC is returning after a period of time away, away from each other, away from our usual practices, away from our priorities, away from our commitments. And we said it's time for a comeback, that we are down, but we are not out. And so we talked about the last two years and the difficulties that there have been for individuals and for families, for businesses, for the economy, but also it's been very difficult for the church. That COVID has had a profound impact on the church community, resulted in, resulting in significant changes and, and losses such as attendance and finances, unity, mission, a sense of community, mental, the mental well-being of, of, of the members. All of these things have been affected through this time. And so as we begin to move forward, it's important for us to identify and address these changes and these losses and with the help of the Holy Spirit, find a way forward that reflects who and what Jesus has called us to be as his church. Now, I'll be, we'll be reminded th throughout this series that the Holy Spirit will help us to redeem our losses and regain our focus as we respond to rediscovering the priorities of the kingdom of God. So last week, we focused on loss and change in terms of resources. And we talked about material financial resources and we talked about people resources. Today, we're gonna to be focusing on unity. In March of 2022, this year, just recently, the Canadian uh, Hub for Applied and Social Research at the University of Saskatchewan reported a very interesting statistic. And they discovered that 40% of families in Canada experience reduced contact with friends and family because of disagreements and arguments connected to the pandemic. Specifically, disagreements about vaccines and vaccine mandates, about COVID measures that were being taken in different provinces and, and nationally, about the politics and political parties and individuals that were connected to these decisions. And of course, we always have these conspiracy theories and I think in everybody's family, there's someone who, who trumpets the, the conspiracy theories. And so all of these things brought great division and challenge to families where they're no longer connecting with friends and family that they were connecting with before. 40% said that they had discontinued directly as a result of those things. Now, not only have families and friends been impacted relationally, due to disagreements regarding COVID, but churches have experienced significant relational losses as well. Whenever you have a group of people that are diverse, that are coming from different backgrounds and, and ways of thinking, you're, you're going to have differing opinions. And so the church has not been exempt from that, and as a result, there have been losses in, in the church community context as well. Some nationwide, worldwide, have left their church family 
for a church and leadership that align with their views and opinions. And so they felt more comfortable being in places where their views and opinions aligned with the leadership of that church. Others stayed, but were left to navigate the relational impact and resulting disunity. And so even though staying, still having issues and, and challenges and within the church community. And so I believe it's not enough for us to focus on reaching our goals in returning after a time of way, away, but we have to simultaneously address the losses and the changes and the impact that these have had on the church. We can't just pretend they're not there, that they didn't happen. We, we have to address them and deal with them as we're moving forward because we won't move forward unless these critical issues are addressed. We just won't be able to move forward. And so Paul addresses this issue of unity throughout his writings. If there, there's hardly a writing of Paul's in the New Testament where he doesn't address the issue of unity. But today we're going to be considering how he addressed it specifically in the church in Philippi. And I believe what he has to say here will be really helpful for us as we come to grips with the impact and losses that are associated and have affected our unity, both as a local congregation, but as a church as a whole. And so let's, let's see how he addressed it there and how that might apply for us. So he, he addresses, he starts by addressing the disagreement. We're told that there's a man named Epaphroditus who was sent by the church in Philippi to bring a monetary gift to Paul and to provide not just the monetary gift, but actually practical support for him. And most likely in that process of meeting with Paul and bringing the resources, the conversation quickly led to what was happening in the church back home, a place that was very important to Paul. He had, you know, established this church, he had ministered in this church, and he was interested to hear what was happening. And in their conversation, he, he came to know that there was a situation back home between two prominent women, women that he knew, two people that he knew very, very well in the church. And it seems to be a disagreement between them that has been going on for quite some time. Now, the problem is a clash of personalities. It's a difference of opinion. And their issue is affecting the church, the life of the church as a whole. In an ideal church environment, there would be mutual love and mutual forgiveness and mutual respect. But this particular issue that's happening in the church in Philippi, it's reflecting the opposite to what is intended in the church environment. And so Paul said, listen, in the past, these two people have have worked with me side by side together we, for the cause of the gospel. We, we, were, we were in the trenches together. We did the hard work together of, of bringing the gospel and establishing this church. That their, their cooperation with him, their support with him, was helpful in advancing the gospel in the past. But he's drawing attention to the fact that their disunity now even though they were helpful in the past, their disunity now is harming the gospel in the future. These two people were influential leaders. Their disagreement was impacting the unity of the congregation as a whole. The situation is serious enough and has gone on long enough that Paul actually called them out publicly. It's like me standing up here today and, and like, Naming names, because these letters were, 
were read out loud in the congregation. And, you know, it's kind of an awkward day to be in attendance when your name is called from the front. But it's gone on long enough that Paul feels it needs to be addressed. He doesn't say which one of them is in the wrong because that's not his intent. That's not the issue. Both of them were called to resolve their conflict. Paul is pleading them. He's actually begging them to, quote, agree with each other. Even though they have differing opinions, what he's asking for is to find a way, even though you see things differently, to live in harmony. Clearly, they've not been able to resolve their conflict on their own. So Paul asks members of the church to come and help them, come alongside them, help them to resolve their conflict, to restore the harmony, and to reconcile their differences. The second thing Paul addresses is damage. After calling out these two women publicly, after soliciting the help of the congregation as a whole to get them involved to help them out, Paul called them to rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. And sometimes with Scripture, we we tend to grab these phrases or sentences, and we pull them out of the context, and, and, you know, uh, and, and we just kind of put them on, on signs or on little placards or, or we quote them uh, completely out of context. And so, you know, th- these are wonderful words, but it's important for us to understand why did he say these words and what did these words mean? Because they, they likely mean something different than what we assume they mean. At face value, we might interpret Paul's next words to be, You know what? You need to get past your conflicts and focus on the Lord instead of your differences. But that's not what Paul was saying here, even though that would be good advice. He's transitioning here from identifying a serious church conflict and how it's affecting the church members, and now he begins to focus on the potential damage that this conflict within the church between these two women has the potential to move beyond the congregation. It was common in this culture to organize great festivals and feasts and games and shows to celebrate, to celebrate the gods, to celebrate cities, to celebrate Caesar, to draw attention to what mattered most to the people through public displays of celebration. The word rejoice that Paul used here literally means in the original language to call a public celebration, to call a public celebration. So what Paul is saying here when he says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, what he's saying in his language to the people of his day is call a public celebration. And again, I tell you, call a public celebration. Well, what's the purpose? Why is he saying that? What's the point? Well, he tells us right here. Call a public celebration to let your gentleness be evident to all. This sentence, properly translated, means call a public celebration so that you can yield your personal rights for the benefit of another person or another group. This would be a very unpopular letter for the church in 2022 to receive, to yield one's personal rights for the benefit of another person or a group. But Paul was reminding them that their faith in Jesus Christ was on display for all the world to see. 
And people in that culture knew who the followers of Jesus were. They knew what they claimed to represent. Followers of Jesus were being watched closely. And Paul was showing them that their current behavior within the context of the church community was damaging. It was setting a bad example for unbelievers. And the impact of their conflict had potential to hurt the cause of the gospel outside of the congregation. Their lives were on display. And so Paul urged them to use that truth to draw attention to what mattered most, which was the gospel of Jesus Christ, not their personal conflicts, not their personal rights, not their personal interests and opinions. What mattered most was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he reminded them, listen, it's important. you got to get this right because the Lord is near. Now, two interpretations here, and one doesn't have to override the other. They work nicely together. The first is that the Lord is with you. Jesus is with you. The Spirit of God is in the midst of you. God, by His presence, not only dwells in you, but through your community. Therefore, if that is true, this shouldn't be a problem. But the second thing that he's reminding them is is this, that Jesus' coming is near. And he's reminding them that there are people that need to be reached prior to the return of Jesus. And so he's reminding them that to not ruin your opportunity to be a witness to those who are not followers of Jesus, ruining that witness through your personal conflicts and opinions. How they were behaving was damaging to them as a church community, to their church, but also to the society as a whole. And so thirdly, then, he challenges them to be different. There was a different way, Paul said, for followers of Jesus to respond. So in the final section, Paul deals with the alternative to conflict. And he calls the alternative to conflict peace. Now, he uses the phrase, the peace of God, and he also uses the phrase, the God of peace. Because the truth is, the peace of God comes from the God of peace. But how? And Paul outlined three areas of importance very quickly to experiencing peace versus conflict. He says, if you want peace instead of conflict, this is what you need to focus on. This is where your priorities need to be. And the first one was prayer. Anxiety has a way, was a way of life for many in Paul's time. Anxiety was a normal way of life. There were many God's in, this, in society, and it seemed that they were all out to get you. Something bad was always waiting to happen. It's interesting how sometimes we bring that thinking into our relationship with God. That people attributed their hardship to the gods. I'm going through this because the gods are making this happen. And as a result, people tried to appease the gods to, to bring them good favor. And so they were, you know, this created this incredible sense of anxiety all the time of, of constantly trying to appease the gods so that painful things wouldn't be happening in their lives. Now, in contrast to that, for followers of Jesus, the message that was preached in the gospel is that 
Well, God cared about them, and God cared about their problems, and He cared about their concerns, and, and was there. Not only did He care about them, but He was right there with them in their struggles, that the centerpiece of the gospel is Emmanuel, God with us. And so, God being right there in the struggles. I mean, this was a, a contrast to how most of society lived in that time. That life would be filled with struggles, and they would not be exempt from those struggles. But the difference was, God was with them. And that they could go to God in prayer, and they could present their request, and the, they could experience in that process the peace of God from the God of peace right there in the midst of their hardship. The second thing that Paul said they needed to focus on was you need to focus on your attitude. The peace of God comes from, to those who have learned to focus on the good things that God provides rather than focusing on the negative things, on the anxiety. And so Paul instructed them to shift their focus away from the things that created anxiety and instead focus on what God had given them. Well, what had God given them? Well, God had given them truth, not fear. God had, you know, they, they could focus on things that were worthy of respect, not focusing on poor witness. They were to focus on promoting justice for all, not focusing on their own personal rights. They were called to focus on things that were morally pure versus anger and rudeness, kindness and gentleness. Things that were not worth, you know, things that were worth hearing. Focus on those things rather on words that are spoken selfishly. Paul said that focusing on these things would positively affect their attitude, resulting in the peace of God. And then finally, he said, you know, focus on your actions. Who they were as followers of Jesus was the product of what they had been taught the truth that they had heard, the things that they had witnessed with their own eyes, the truth that, they've been, that they took and made a part of their own lives. And so Paul challenged them, put these things into practice, commit to them, live them out, and let other people see them in your life. What Paul was really saying to them here was this, let the witness of your life do the talking. Let the witness of your life do the talking. When they were living in the freedom of who they had become in Jesus, and they let their lives do the talking, they would know the peace of God, and they would know the God of peace. So for us today, there are just three brief things that I would like to focus on as we wrap this message up today. The first is conflict. The truth is, wherever there are people, the potential for conflict exists. And conflict within the church community is a reality. We can't pretend it's not there. Conflict exists within the church community because there are differing personalities. There are opposing opinions. There are multiple ways of doing things. There's not just one way. There's many different ways of doing things. There are personal preferences of the way we prefer it to be done or responses that we have. And so the issue is not if 
there will be conflict in the community of faith, that's a given. You can't have a church community without conflict. There's going to be differences. There's no question. But the issue is if we're committed to resolving conflict and how we're committed to resolving it. Those are the issues. When there's unresolved conflict in our lives, when there's unresolved conflict in our church community, our behavior and our activity, our speech, our attitude most often is not Christ-like. It's just not Christ-like. And it impacts the whole community. The love, the forgiveness, the support for one another, which defines what it means to be the body of Christ in times of conflict is missing. And so it's important for us to see that even though we are individuals with preferences and individuality, that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. We are a community. We're a family. A community that has worked together. We have worked together. We have celebrated together. We have sacrificed together. We have mourned together. We're a community. And the truth is we're often concerned and we get distracted at times about, well, who is right? Who's right? It's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about finding a way to resolve our conflict and put our focus back where it belongs. And if we can't do it on our own, that's one of the beauties of community that Jesus has placed us in his body so we can do it together. We can do it together. I believe the spiritual depth, the spiritual depth of any church community is not measured by how passionately we worship or how passionately we preach or how passionately we pray. I believe that the spiritual depth of any church community is is shown through how passionately we love and treat each other. Because if we worship passionately and pray passionately and preach passionately, but we don't love passionately and treat one another with respect and love, then Paul says it's just like a loud noise. It's just, it's just a banging gong. It's of no value. The second thing I want to draw attention to is, is witness. Whether we like it or not, and i got to tell you, um, I wish it wasn't the case. It was interesting driving in this morning. I was talking to Jen. This week we installed... A, a new doorbell on our, our office door for the purpose of, for security purposes when, when, you know, when the office, when someone's there alone and, and so you can kind of screen who's, who's coming into the building. And the interesting thing about it is not only does it see you when you come and go, but it can, it can hear what you're saying, right? It's interesting. So, so I said to Jen, I said, I, I think our new motto in life has got to be we have to live like we're constantly within range of a doorbell, right? Because Whether we like it or not, our lives are on display for others to see and to hear. Our spouses, our children, our families, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow church members, the world at large, our lives are on display for them to see. And every day how we live out our lives is communicating what we value, who we value, our priorities, 
our passions. And when we get it right, great things are accomplished for the kingdom of God. And when we get it wrong, great damage can be done. And so I believe that the greatest acts of evangelism, that the greatest moments of witnessing and sharing our faith are not found in the words we speak, but in the lives we live. Not the words we speak, but the lives we live. We must remember as well that no one sins alone, and you've heard me say that often, but it's true. Our families, our friends, and others around us are directly affected by our decisions and our behavior. And so for that reason, it's important to heed the reminder of Paul that faith must be lived on display. And it's important that we are communicating Jesus with our lives, not just our words. I believe it's important for the world to see that we're not perfect. We need the world to see the church is not filled with perfect people. The world needs to understand that we're, we fail. We make poor choices as a church community. We behave inappropriately sometimes as a church family. But what makes us different as followers of Jesus is our commitment and our goal to live like Jesus. It's our, the difference is our, a sincerely repentant heart so that when we get it wrong, we're, we're sorry and we express that remorse and we change. What makes us different is that when we fall down, we allow Jesus to help lift us up so that, and help us get it right next time. We're not perfect. We're going to fail. We're going to make poor choices. We're going to do wrong things. But what sets us apart is our invitation for Jesus to continually work by the Spirit in our lives to change us to be more like him. How we resolve conflict between us is significantly important for the world to observe. And let me tell you, I've been in the church a long time. They're observing. And they've come to many conclusions that make me very sad. Jesus said, they, they, the world. Sometimes, you know, your kids say to you, well, they said, well, who are they? Well, they are the world here. The world will know, Jesus said, that you belong to me by your love for one another. That's how they'll know. We're being watched, and it's important to get it right because there's a lot at stake. And finally, peace. We live in a world that is broken, filled with conflict, very sad, and a longing for peace. There are so many in our world today, in many different scenarios, who are longing for peace. We live in a world filled with people who are broken, who are living in conflict with others, and long for peace. The peace that our world needs and longs for can only come from the God of peace. And so as believers, sometimes we believe that the only way we'll experience peace is for Jesus to calm the storm or remove the painful hardship from our lives. But the truth is, Jesus most often calms us while we're in the midst of the storm. The storm doesn't need to disappear for us to experience peace. 
When we discover the God of peace in the midst of the storm, we experience the peace of God even though the storm rages on. It's impossible to live with unresolved conflict and anger and opposition when our prayer life is the way that it should be. It's impossible to live with unresolved conflict and anger and opposition when our attitude is rooted in focusing on the things in our lives that come from God. It's impossible to live with unresolved conflict, anger, and opposition when we're truly living the way Jesus has called us to live. And sadly, sometimes we make room in our lives for unresolved conflicts. We make room. We accommodate them. But the truth is, in the life of a follower of Jesus, both of these can't coexist. One is destroying the other. When we focus on prayer and being grateful for wonderful things that God has provided and living as we should be living, the peace of God comes into our lives. I would like to invite the worship team to come back, come back and prepare to lead us this morning. When there's unresolved conflict, it impacts the full church community because love and forgiveness and support for one another, which defines what it means to be the body of Jesus, is missing. And so, as I said, it's imperative for us to find a way to resolve our conflict and put our focus back where it belongs. Because how we resolve conflict between us is significantly important for the world to observe. We are being watched, and it's important to get it right because there's a lot at stake. So don't make room for unresolved conflict in your life because that would just destroy you, and it will destroy others around you. And so as a church, it's not enough for us to set lofty goals of what we want to return to after a time away. We have to address the losses and changes and the impact that these have had. And if disunity is an issue in our lives or in our church, we have to address that. We have to make it right because we won't move forward until these things are addressed. But the good news today is that the Holy Spirit will help us to redeem our losses, to regain our focus as we respond to rediscovering the priorities of the kingdom of God. Would you stand with me this morning? And as Tyler leads us, I would like to give all of us the advice that Scripture gives that if any of you comes to present an offering of worship and you are reminded that there is something in your heart, there is an issue between you and another person, to leave that act of worship and go to that person and make it right. Now, literally, I'm not asking you to do this at this moment, but we're about to once again engage in worship and my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would remind us if there is something unresolved between us and someone else, 
that will take the initiative to get it right so we can get on to living for Jesus the way he's called us to, accomplishing what he's called us to do and not distracted by it. Father, would you lead us this morning? Evermore, 
evermore we'll be breathing out your praise you are faithful god you Jesus, you are faithful. And we thank you that you've promised to never leave us, never forsake us. We thank you that your spirit dwells within us. We thank you that your presence surrounds us. We thank you that you've given us each other. That we, we don't do this alone that we do this in community as a family that loves each other enough to be there through the difficult times and also to hold each other accountable through the times when we need to hear the truth. And I pray, God, that you continue to pour into this community of faith in this church, in this, on this street, in this town, that emanating from this place and from the, these people would be a witness in this community and surrounding communities of the goodness and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that you would help us as we are seeking you to lead us into this next season a season that very, is very uncertain and somewhere we've never been and so many changes, so many realities, but we're looking to you by your spirit to lead us. And I pray that you would address us and help us, change us, so that we can embrace what it is you have for us next that all of these things that would hold us back and pull us down would be taken and we'd be able to move forward in all of the next exciting things that you have for us individually and corporately. Father, today we think of those who are not able to be in this room for a variety of health reasons. Sometimes they may, may feel like they've been forgotten, but help them to know today that they're not forgotten, that we're praying for them and we're thinking of them. And I pray that you would touch them and bring healing to them and strength to them, encouragement and hope. Lord, do that through our prayers and do that through our practical reaching out. Lord, for those that are in this room today who who have been through so many difficult things, who've had losses and hardship and heartbreaks, that are, that are trying to find their way through, even at this moment, I pray, God, by your Spirit, you would help them, strengthen them, lift them, encourage them today. For those in this room that need your healing, would you bring their healing? Those in this room that need encouragement, would you encourage them? 
those today who just need love, would you help them to experience our love and your love this morning? Father, I pray that you would make us one. Lord, when we sing songs like someday we'll stand with a thousand generations and with one voice declare one message, worthy is the Lamb. Would you help us in this time to stand as one with one voice and declare you to this broken and hurting world? not just in our words, but through our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. just want to remind you there will be people in the foyer. If you want to go by and ask about those ministries, even if you don't want to go by, please go by. And uh, have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>